Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome to the Pulse of St. Louis. I'm Shirley Washington. You know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And get this. Pink Ribbon Girls, a new nonprofit organization in the Gateway City area, is offering unique resources to patients to help them heal and thrive. Joining me now, Stephanie Lemons Vogel, she is a breast cancer survivor. Corey Smallwood, she's regional director of Pink Ribbon Girls. Dr. Teresa Swartz, she is a breast cancer surgeon, excuse me, she is a breast surgeon with Slucare SSM Health. And Holly Cunningham, she's owner of Nourish by Holly Berry. I love that name. Nourished by Holly Berry. Thank you all so much for being here. I appreciate it. Steph, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about your situation. When were you diagnosed with breast cancer and how did you find out? So I was diagnosed last December. Um, I was actually 18 weeks pregnant at the time. I went in for an ultrasound to rule out some tenderness that I was having on my left side, um, which I had had before but wasn't palpable by anything. I had gone to my OB for an exam. Uh, we went in for an ultrasound and they said that it was very suspicious. So same day we actually did four biopsies. They sent that information into pathology. Uh, the next day I found out my results and I ended up meeting with Dr. Schwartz that day, found out that it was cancer. And so we started with the plan at that time. What was your reaction when you heard that? <laughs> well, um, being pregnant was, that was my biggest concern was, you know, what's going to happen to the baby at this point because I was halfway through my pregnancy almost. Um, and so that was, like I said, my biggest concern. Um, but everybody really walked through the plan of starting. We wanted to get started right away with having a port placed, having imaging done. Um, and then I actually started chemo and did four rounds of chemo while pregnant. So then after I delivered the baby, uh, which was a healthy, beautiful baby girl, um, we did four more rounds of chemo. And I'm uh, just a little over two weeks post-op now. And the baby's fine? Yes, she's mm. great. And you're fine? Yes, I'm, I'm on the road to it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Schwartz, fill me in because this seems like it's a unique situation. I'm surprised when I heard Stephanie say I was pregnant. Yes, it is. It's unusual to have breast cancers diagnosed during pregnancy, but it absolutely happens. And it just means we change our plan of attack a little bit. There are several things we can't do when someone is pregnant, but surprisingly, chemotherapy is something that is, is possible to give during pregnancy. And if you saw her baby Ryan, you would know that she did perfectly fine with it. Um, so there's a lot that we can do during pregnancy, and we just adjust our care plan to make sure that we are being uh, attentive to the mom, being attentive to the baby, and also doing everything we can to treat the breast cancer. So from a medical perspective, how does that work? Because I think I'm sitting here listening to Stephanie, and my heart is like beating mm -hmm. fast when she says, and I'm pregnant, you know, it's like, what? Yes, that was exactly her response, to be quite honest, whenever the biopsy was, was happening and we were getting the diagnosis. But after that, it's just kind of putting things in a, in a lineup to make sure that she knows what should happen next or what can happen next, and then trying to time the delivery of the baby on top of managing all of the breast cancer treatment, and she managed it like a champ. But I think one of my first concerns, though, is the treatment impacting the baby. Absolutely. How do you prevent that from happening? 
there's not a whole lot of good research to say, hey, this nasty chemotherapy drug that kills cancer is safe for a growing baby. However, the few medications that we were able to start her on, uh, we do have research that shows those are relatively safe during pregnancy. The things that we know aren't safe, we held off, and she got to tackle those after the baby was delivered. That is so awesome. I'm so glad you're okay and the baby's okay. Yes, and, and, and Dr. Schwartz, those magic hands <laughs> and that knowledge. Thank you. Corey, fill me in. Tell me about um, Pink Ribbon Girls. Tell me about the organization. Yeah, so we're relatively new to St. Louis. We've been serving families um, here in this region for about a year, and we're getting ready to celebrate our one-year anniversary. And our mission is very simple. We provide meals, rides to treatment, and house cleaning to anyone, regardless of income, battling breast cancer or other women's gynecological cancer. Wait a minute. Tell me, what do you do again? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We know it sounds too good to be true, but um, it is the truth. So we provide meals, rides to treatment, house cleaning, and we also do peer support for anyone, regardless of income. We feel like, you know, everyone needs help when they have cancer. So we don't care how much money you make. We serve we serve moms like Stephanie, we serve widows, we serve uh, you know, St. Louis transplants, people that don't have a support system when they come to St. Louis, they've come here for jobs or other reasons and um, we really feel passionate that our mission you know, really resonates with this community. We've um, had some outstanding numbers in just a short time. We just actually served over 10,000 meals um, just since October 8th of last year. So we crossed over. We have two different programs um, we have a program for, it's called Simply Fight for our patients that have stages one through three cancer. And that's three meals a week times as many people are in your family. So if you have a family of five, you get a box of 15 meals. They're individually frozen and nutritious, but also delicious. Um, it's unlimited rides to treatment and then a, a light house cleaning every other week. That's incredible. Incredible. It is incredible, and we have unbelievable corporate uh, awesome support. Schnooks provides 100% of the food that we use in our meals. Jim Butler Kia donated a brand new car that we're using for our meal delivery program. Um, we've been really lucky to have such, you know, St. Louis is such a generous community. We have great people that have really rallied around our mission because obviously there's a cause, and we all know, I mean, everyone knows somebody that has had cancer, and you can imagine what would it be like if, if you didn't have a support system in place. So Holly, I am assuming that you're preparing these meals. <laughs> <laughs> My team is, yes. Yeah. We're so honored to, to be a part of the, the mission. It's just incredible. So tell me about the role that you play. What exactly do you do and how does it work? Because I'm sure it's a process. It is a process, but you know, the this whole organization was started a number of years ago and just has started in Ohio. So we kind of followed the path of the caterer that was out there and has been doing this a while. So we did not try and reinvent the wheel, but but it is. It's so it's such a great thing to be able to do this. And really what we're doing is what we already do, but we're doing it for families in St. Louis. My mom had cancer and I was a child, and so I know firsthand, you know, what that struggle is like, just being a member of a family, so. What is that struggle like? You know, I just remember a lot of um, times where my mom couldn't come to things, and um, just, I could tell that it hurt her more than it hurt me, you know, and so just having that extra support, I just think would have been so helpful. Dr. Schwartz, what does the latest research show in regards to breast cancer? Oh gosh, where to begin? There's so much going on, I know. There is, and a lot of it has to do with the, the full body therapy we give or the types of chemotherapy that we give. And really the aim is to make sure we're giving more targeted therapies instead of just broad stroke chemotherapy that kills anything growing quickly. It's trying to figure out what makes individual cancers tick and then turning that off. 
Um, so there are plenty of different types of cancers that have different, uh, different things kind of driving them. And that's what most of our research is going after, um, new medications. We'll find, and I don't mean to cut you off, but do you think we'll find a cure to breast cancer within the next 10, 20 years, you think? Gosh, that's a crystal ball I wish I had. Um, yeah. That would be lovely. Um, figuring out what actually is the inciting event that makes all of this cascade happen um, would be fantastic, not just for breast cancer, but for every type of cancer, because it's really a normal cell that's just functioning in the body like it's supposed to that turns abnormal and then gets to grow unregulated. So, so figuring what causes out, breast cancer? That's also a great question. We don't know. It's a normal breast cell that was doing its job before anything, anything turned. And normally our body can tell whenever something has become abnormal and it will kill it off. But a cancer cell knows how to hide from your own body. So it can figure out its way around your normal killing mechanisms. And then it can just grow unregulated. Wow. Steph, you were saying that you noticed tenderness yeah. in your breast. Yeah. Were, were there any lumps or anything other than no. that, just a tenderness? Yeah, just, just really? some tenderness. And um, we were also, I mean, we were trying to have a baby at that time, so I was on hormones for that. So that's honestly what we attributed to it. But I did, you know, go into the doctor to try to see, make sure nothing was wrong. I'm a healthcare worker as well. And so I really wanted to rule everything out at that time. And I thought without being able to palpate anything, okay, we're all right. You know, just proceeded along the way. And then once I became pregnant, tenderness is normal. So we didn't really think much of it until it just continued over months. So that's why we decided to go ahead and do the ultrasound. Now, are, are you an individual who gets regular mammograms? Um, so I was only 32 years old when I was diagnosed. Um, that's mm -hmm. young. That's young. <laughs> that is young. Mm -hmm. And I also have no history of breast cancer in my family. So I'm single wow. first one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. that, that, once again, just more of all of these reasons. When I had talked to my OB at the time, she called me the day that I found out I, I did have cancer. And she called me that evening at home and said, I'm so sorry, but I looked through your chart and there's no history. We've talked about this. And I was like, you're right, there's not. But it's, it, that, is the same exact, that is the same exact story of our, our founder, Heather Salazar, who started Pink Ribbon Girls. She had the same, she was 31 and found out that she too had had cancer and she had met a woman who took a bus home from a double mastectomy. And so, which is just so, you know, unconscionable, especially in, in our country with the resources that we have, which is why Pink Ribbon Girls was, was created to provide those direct services for as important as research is. Hopefully we'll all be, you know, out of this business, uh, you mm -hmm. know, eventually. We would love to, we always say at Pink Ribbon Girls, we would love to not have to exist. Um, but in the, in the meantime, there has to be an organization that can pull the two parts together, that can serve the patient as a, as a whole. And, and speaking of the patient, how does the patient get involved with <clears throat> Ribbon Girl? So anybody can go on our website and click Get Support. And we, like I said, we don't have any income restrictions. So we will serve anyone regardless of income. We do have a 40-mile radius that we're serving right now in St. Louis. It's Illinois and, and St. Louis, and hopefully we'll... Uh, you know, as our funding increases, hopefully we'll be able to, to get rid what of that. What is your web address? It's pinkribbongirls.org. Pinkribbongirls.org. Yes. And Easy so. enough. I can remember that. You can too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So Holly, tell me about the meals that you prepare. What is likely to be served on any given day? Well, the thing about our meals is what we really take from Heather's story in that when you do, when you feel bad no matter what, you want comfort food, <laughs> you know, you want something good and nutritious, but you also want it to be something your kids will eat, you know, so 
So really our whole, um, we really take that whole idea and mission and try to put that into how we create these meals. And so it could be anything from meatloaf to mashed potatoes, but then it could be stir fry with you know, chicken and vegetables. So something that really appeals to the family, but the nice thing too is they're individually packaged and they can be put. So, you know, again, we're all on the run no matter what, but especially when, when there's something like this happening. So then if you have kids who are able to put something into the oven or the microwave, they can fix their own meals. So are we talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner or lunch and dinner? So they're dinners, mm -hmm. but um, like Corey said, it's three times a week for every member of your family. So if you have three people in your family, you get nine meals for the week. And they're frozen, they're flash frozen, no preservatives, so they can be cooked from frozen. So there's no pre-prep. I mean, I know that Stephanie is, has yep. been a recipient, so it, it's, it's just delicious. So are they good? Helpful. I was gonna say, Steph, are they good? Yes, <laughs> and, and one of the most helpful things I think with the individual packing also is just like, for instance, going through treatment, there are times that I, I don't eat on a normal basis. So it may be I'm hungry now and then may not eat, you know, the rest of the day or vice versa. And also for family members, they still have a schedule. So it's very helpful to have that available to, to do the individu individuals. Absolutely. And we deliver the food directly to the doors of our, of our clients. So we find really? like, yes, yeah, so we, we work with couriers and volunteers to, to do our meal delivery. Who are very friendly also, by the way. <laughs> They're very friendly. <laughs> Aw, that is so amazing. So how rewarding is this for you to know that you're making such a huge difference in the lives of people? I mean, the service is incredible. It is. It, it sounds too good, too good to be true. We say that a lot. Um, but it's, you know, certainly I'm grateful to be the regional director here in St. Louis, but it certainly is so many volunteers. Dr. Schwartz is a member of our of our advisory board. We have amazing um, corporate support and volunteers that really are the machine behind Pink Ribbon Girls, and it wouldn't be possible without our community coming around um, around people who need it the most. Everyone just needs a little bit of, of help when they have cancer, yes. and who wouldn't want to buy dinner for somebody? Right. So, Absolutely. and to add to that, something this organization does, uh, yes, they're getting meals, and yes, the house is getting cleaned, but there is also a, a feeling of, re of relief on behalf of the patient, where they are used to being the ones running the household. They're used to being the ones making sure the kids have food, and the house is clean, and everybody is going where they're supposed to, and chemo and operations and radiation throw a huge wrench in that. So being able to say, all right, I'm gonna let someone else take care of me and not feel guilty, not feel like you have to ask for it, but to be allowed to be taken care of for a minute, I think goes a long way. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think what you guys are doing is just awesome. And thank you all so much for being here, Steph. Thanks for sharing your story. Congratulations to you on being a mommy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for being here. And when we come back, we are going to introduce you to a local entrepreneur, and she's going to share her secrets to success. Stay with us. We are back in a moment. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for The Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome back to The Pulse of St. Louis. You know, Latasha Fox is one of Chick-fil-A's best and brightest franchise owners, and she worked diligently and unrelentingly to earn that distinguished title. Joining me now, Latasha Fox. She is the owner and operator of the Chick-fil-A franchise in Florissant. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So tell me, how did this come to fruition that you are the owner of a Chick-fil-A restaurant? <laughs> well, you know, over 70,000 people apply, so it's really, wow. yes, just a blessing. Um, over 70,000 people 70, applied yes, yes. to become a franchise owner. Yes. Yes, ma'am. And you were selected. I was selected. Wow. Tell me about the process. Oh, well, for me personally, um, it took three years and it depends on the person. It depends on uh, what opportunities are available in locations. But for me, it took three years of, I would say about 10 interview rounds. And <laughs> each round got progressively 
you know, more challenging and a little deeper with the questions that they ask. Um, but ultimately, I think Chick-fil-A looks for operators who are passionate about their communities and literally want to change lives one order at a time. Yeah. So what was it about Chick-fil-A that attracted you to this particular company? Mm -hmm. I think it was just their commitment to communities. Uh, I live six minutes from where I do business, which is rare. Most operators have to move. So I do life in Florissant. And um, to be able to serve that community, I think they, they recognize my passion for young people and passion for um, just uplifting the community of Florissant. And I think they recognize that I would give 110% to make the business successful. And you do, because you put in some long hours oh, and yes. you are creating the perfect culture, if you will, for your establishment. Tell me about the number of hours that you invest on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. as well as the type of culture you're working to mm -hmm. create. Well, uh, obviously, uh, we opened on January 31st. So initially, I was putting in 20 to 22, 23 hours a day. Like you were sleeping I, at the place, it sounds like. <laughs> I basically slept at the place. Um, eight months in, now I'm working maybe 12 to 16 hours a day. But it's important for me to, to be there. I like to have eyes on the business. I like to see how the team members are interacting with the guests. How are the leaders interacting with the team? And you have to put in that time to ensure just a culture of excellence. Um, and every operator you talk to, Chick-fil-A will tell you it takes years to get your business to where you want it to be and that it's operating at the Chick-fil-A standard of excellence. So are we there yet? Absolutely not. Are we on our way? Absolutely. What's your vision for your business? What do you see in terms mm -hmm. of your culture? So my vision is to create raving fans by consistently executing operational and service excellence. Raving fans, they come more often, they tell us and others about Chick-fil-A, and they pay full price. That's the definition of a raving right. fan. So if we operate at a level of excellence, if we serve at a level of excellence, we should create raving Chick-fil-A fans. That is literally my vision. That is what I teach my team members and they're required to know that vision. Well, I think your vision must be coming true because I've seen pictures where lines were stretched blocks and blocks away from the business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they giving the food away? <laughs> you know, it is a blessing because it is busy all the time. You know, maybe around two o'clock it slows down for those people that want to come at a slower time. Two o'clock is the perfect time. <laughs> uh, but we do, we serve great food. It's fresh food and we give great service. Um, so I think people appreciate that. If you're going to spend your money at a business, you should make people feel like you're happy that they're there. And they're getting their money's worth. And they're getting their money's worth, absolutely. Yeah, did it surprise you when you opened and you got such support from the community to, I mean, to walk out and see these lines of cars that are literally around the block? Around the block. Oh, it was definitely surprising, um, but that's what the community does. Florissant is a strong community, and when quality businesses come, they support. And so I was surprised and I was just, I was just proud to see people that I do life with. I live in the Florissant community. So people that I go to church with, you know, people that I serve in community, um, in the community with showing up for me. And I, it was amazing. It was amazing. Are you from Florissant originally? Actually, originally I'm from Alton, Illinois. Yes. And I live in, in Hazelwood now. Okay. Yes, Very good. So tell me about your employees. How many employees do you have right now? Right now, I have 95 team members. That's awesome. Yes, and I'm in the midst of a hiring drive, so I'm always looking for great talent. I would love to keep 
about 110 team members. So what do you look for in your team members? Mm -hmm. I, I look for team members with energy and enthusiasm. They don't have to have experience. We can teach them everything they need to know, but they have to have um, a willingness to serve and a willingness to learn and to push themselves to operate at a level of excellence, which is, is tough to find. You know, our young people, um, the culture suggests that they should be one way and act one way, but I'm challenging them to just think outside of the box and push themselves to be the best that they can be, even despite whatever the pressures they have from peers. Did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you would be a Chick-fil-A franchise owner and operator? Never, never. I worked um, in corporate America prior to this, had my eight to five. When I left work, I left work. It was a good life. I was comfortable. Um, but when you are shown your path to destiny, you can't ignore it. I've never been that type of person. When I know in my heart that I'm supposed to pursue something, I go for it despite the fears, despite the challenges, despite the impossibilities. And, and this was one of those things that I just felt in my heart I was supposed to do to help change lives. And I did it and here I am. Well, you have such an incredible background. <laughs> you were a Rams cheerleader. Yes. Tell me about that because I was oh. not aware. I was reading all this research. <laughs> I was like, Rams cheerleader? <laughs> yes, uh, I uh, was a Rams cheerleader from 2001 to 2006. So I was in that greatest show on turf phase. Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Tori Holt, Marshall Falk, and it was amazing. I got to cheer in Super Bowl 36 in um, New Orleans when the Patriots beat us. So, <laughs> you know, right. when the, we won't right. talk about that. But it was amazing. I cheered in high school. I went to Alton High, cheered in college at Illinois State, and after I graduated, I was like, why don't I keep on cheering? Wow. Yes. You are also an accountant. Yes, yes, CPA. I worked at a public accounting firm as a public accountant for a couple years. <laughs> I know. Okay, and, and here's another one, folks. You probably didn't know this. She was a contestant on Survivor. Twice. Twice. <laughs> Twice. How yes. on earth did that happen? I, I was sitting on the couch, and Survivor <laughs> is one of my favorite shows. Right. I've never missed a season. And I found myself like yelling at the contestants, like, why are you doing that? Why would you say that? And then it hit me, like I'm judging them as they live their dreams. And I said, well, I want someone to yell at me and tell me how <laughs> stupid I am, not to make this move. Or how smart you yeah, are. Yeah, or how smart I am. Yeah. And so I just applied and like the, you, there's a whole video submission process and my video was horrible, but. <laughs> it, it must not have been too it, horrible, you got on the my, show. My saving grace was my very first line. Hi, I'm Tasha, I live in St. Louis and I'm a triple threat. I have beauty, brains, and brawn. And that just Ooh. happened to be the season theme that they were casting for. Really? Unbeknownst to me. Really? Yes, ma'am, already oh, picked wow. out, the, yes. That was I, your destiny, It was, was my meant destiny. to be. I just happened to say, the theme in my video. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. So were you surprised when they called you? And oh said, yeah. Hey, we want to fly you out to totally. what, LA or? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Totally surprised. They called the next day and I was like, are you serious? Like thinking my video was, <laughs> when I say it was horrible, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Terrible. Wow. Well, like I said, it must not have been too bad. So what was that experience like for you on the show? Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Um, I always thought that I would do well because I, I'm just a people person. I love talking to people and um, getting to know them. And I feel like if people just talked more, they would see that we're more similar than we are different. And I recognize that. And I just have, I'm a loyal person. So in Survivor, the one of the 
uh, commodities that it makes you most successful is loyalty. So if I could show that I'm a loyal person, you know, I felt that I would make it far, and I did. It was the the worst amazing thing ever in my life. <laughs> Starvation, dehydration, right. snakes. Oh all my that. god! And it's real, like yeah. which was. So it's not, it's not fake. No. And it's not scripted. It the, really, after the first day when my stomach was rumbling and I was literally sleeping on the sand, it hit me like I signed up for something that is real. And the next day we got, we got our shelter together. <laughs> we made fire. You know, we, we, we all realized like this is real. It's reality TV, but it is really real. Wow. And I learned how tough I was. I learned um, that I could work and be strategic with little sleep, little food, which serves me very well for the job that I have now. That's right. You know, being the owner and operator of Chick Fil A. Absolutely. That's very awesome. little sleep, very little food, yeah. but I still have to make sure I, make I run the business. Yeah. Yes, All I right, am. Gotta take a break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. We are talking with Latasha Fox. She is the owner and operator of a Chick-fil-A in Florissant. And Latasha, what's next for you? Well, it's really hard to see what's around the corner because what's in front of me is so huge. Um, so my goal right now is to just focus on the business. How can we get better, faster, more accurate, and um, pouring into my team members. But who knows, maybe speaking engagements and tours <laughs> <laughs> All right, about well, my experience. Who knows? Congratulations. It is an awesome experience. Thank you, Ms. Shirley. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. And thank you for joining us this week for the Pulse of St. Louis. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, download the Pulse of St. Louis podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. I'll see you next time. Nice job, young lady.